All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Thursday, July 14th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We are doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, it's the weekend preview episode, and we have two new movies that are opening wide, possibly a third movie opening wide release. We're not totally sure what the screen screen counts is going to be on Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. We also, I mean, we've been scouring uh, uh, the internet, scouring uh, the world basically to find whether there really is going to be an expansion of Marcel the Shell with shoes on. And as of tonight, as of Thursday night, July 14th, late at night, 11th hour, we still don't have an exact screen count for whether Marcel is going wide this weekend. So we got to go off of what is available. Well, right now we do have uh, a screen count for Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. It's uh, 978 theaters. Okay. So a very not wide release for Mrs. Harris. Like she, well, she's, we, yeah. she may only be going to the Paris theater on 57th street, New York, basically. Yes. So the one we didn't have any numbers for was, of course, the aforementioned Marcel, Marcel with Marcel the shell with shoes on. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to figure into the top five and probably not the top 10. But who knows? Listen, it could be a sleeper. People are talking about it. People are loving it. People like that movie that the star of that movie, Jenny Slade, is making the rounds there was also big news that the director of that movie got a big gig today off of uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. And I forget what it is. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, Dean Fleischer Camp, the director of Marcel the Shell with shoes on, just got hired to helm a live action Lilo and Stitch remake for Disney. So there you go. So that movie is, I a, guess, a done live something. A- how are okay, live action mind. Lilo and Stitch? I mean, the so, thing is, it'll be a live action Disney movie where the main characters are still cartoons. I would yes. guess, unless they are monsters. In in uh, like in so like it was suits. announced that it's being developed, right? He's he's because I bet you that never even happens. Well, we'll see, but I guess that Marcel is doing something, but still no news on whether that means. It's in 2000 theaters this weekend that we don't know. Um, Well, let's I think we need to jump into what some people are prognosticating as the biggest movie of this weekend. And it's flummoxing us, I think. Right. We're Mm -hmm. the crawdads sing, which is opening in 3625 theaters. Mm -hmm. It is a movie from. The production company Hello Sunshine, mm-hmm. which, uh, what's her face? Um, part of Reese me. Witherspoon, Reese Academy Award winner, and you know, big big time producer, but big time producer for television up to yes. this point. As far as I know, the Reese Witherspoon, uh, Hello Sunshine book adaptation productions have been huge hits on television. I, you know, I could be missing one, but I can't think of a blockbuster movie that they've made out of a book well, so far that's the thing is that are, do we have to go all the way back to gone girl mm-hmm. to have a true true blockbuster that was adapted from a blockbuster book yeah let's 
let's think. I mean, there was there was the girl on the train, which Not did okay. It wasn't a huge hit. It obviously wasn't Gone Girl, but it did okay. I mean, I think to me that is sort of the comp of of uh, of like what Crawdads could actually do long term. Because I'd be surprised if where the Crawdads sing ends up as a Gone Girl making you know a hundred plus million and it and is something of a sensation. But Girl on the Train back in twenty sixteen, that movie. Ended up making seventy-five million domestic. It opened to twenty-four and a half million. I mean, that is a successful movie, or at least that would be, I think, the high end of what Crawdads could hope for. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Crawdads opened to twenty-four million and, and made it to seventy-five million, uh, I don't know if we're clapping, but you know, we're snapping. I think at the end of that, you know, that that would be a success. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look for book adaptations, and it's all YA or Jurassic Park movies or The Hobbit or Harry Potter or, you know, it's all this stuff. It's not those sort of adaptations. So it's it's, it's, It's it's hard to find. You know, your your traditional 90s, you know, take a John Grisham novel, turn it to a hit uh, popcorn movie. There there aren't nearly as many of those and that is what where the crawdad sing is trying to be i mean this was a giant book mm-hmm. sold upwards of, of over 10 million copies yeah now and the thing about this and right now i'm gonna go positive on this movie right now is Great. that love it it sold 10 million copies plus which is a sensation and they're making the movie pretty you know in a timely fashion you know this is not a a book that was a sensation in 2007 and they're finally getting around to it you know this book came out in 2018 and really didn't catch on until about late 2018 2019 Mm -hmm. you know so this is a book that millions of people have read in the last four years you know so so There's a better chance that those people who've read the book are still alive as opposed to if this novel was a hit in 1996 and they finally got around to it. So the issue, I think, with this film, and it's not necessarily an issue until it is, Mm -hmm. is that this is going to be highly skewing females Mm -hmm. and older females. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, they have come out for Elvis mm-hmm. in droves. There's been a steady stream of them, I believe, was what was the term that D'Alessandra used? They were flowing. The older women continued flow. to flow. Yeah, there a was steady a steady flow. flow of older women to Elvis. Yes. And will be will there be a similar flow mm-hmm. to Crawdads? I mean, I I do think there's this probably would skew a little bit younger too. They do want the younger females, but it right. feels very female skewing. So sometimes uh, something like this can hit and it can hit big because you get that sliver to come mm-hmm. out in a large way. Mm-hmm. Then sometimes you get Charlie's Angels. And we hate to beat up on Charlie's Angels. But that was the Kristen Stewart star, Elizabeth Banks directed. 
pre-COVID movie that came out that was specifically targeted for females. Mm-hmm. And it bombed because mm-hmm. that target demo didn't come. So your souffle will collapse if you are aiming just for one demo and they don't show up. Right, right, right. I mean, I think what this book or with this movie is is hoping is that is to be a date movie. You know, maybe a date movie where it's the 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 the, the female and the relationship is the one making the decision to go to it, you know, basically, mm-hmm. and, and which you could see a situation and, and, you know, not to gender stereotype movie taste, but you had couples last week where, where one of them said, Hey, let's go see Thor. And now this weekend it's payback time. So the other member of that couple now gets, okay, I get to pick. So is that member of the couple maybe going to be like last week we saw Thor this week, I want to see where the crawdads sing. So, so yeah. it might have the advantage of, uh, of, of being like a little payback situation. Yeah. So we're looking here. I mean, gone girl obviously is, is a comp we're talking about, but I just feel like it opened to $37 million, which mm-hmm. is a big opening weekend. It had a big director it yeah. had a big star with Ben Affleck. Yeah. This film does not have a big star in it at all. Yeah. That's and it doesn't thing with, have a famous director. Yeah. I mean, I get what they're doing here with where the crawdads sing in trying to mint a new star, you know, cause what's, what's the name of the lead? Is this Daisy Edgar Jones? She was, in the she was the lead of normal people the hulu series i mean as i was starting that sentence i started to to nod off a little bit mm-hmm. um, tv's but, hard tv's hard to talk about without wanting to to pass out blackout yeah and, and she was in a in a movie that was also on hulu sorry i i was uh, again starting to nod off because i was saying the words hulu um mm-hmm. so she was in a hulu movie and I get the idea here is like, this could be a movie that makes a star, but then you got to have a star somewhere else. You know, the, then then the the guy that she's paired with needs to be, and, you know, this person's out of butts in the seat movie star, as Scott Mendelson would say, but at least give us a Chris Evans, you know, mm-hmm. in the male lead or, or, or get us a Glenn Close as the old lady in the movie. And, and I'm, I'm guessing there's an old lady in the movie. I, I assume this is a movie that would have an old lady somewhere. Well, so it is a crime film. And so the numbers and mm-hmm. listen, we all pine for the original box office mojo RIP, you know, Brendan Gray's great creation. Yeah. So we're stuck with the numbers. They are doing a comparison. The one comparison that they have mm-hmm. for where the crawdads sing is the girl in the spider's web from 2018. Uh, and so that's what they're comping it to. Right. So let me see real fast. I mean, that one bombed. That's a weird comp because that was a sequel, right? That was the, uh, the, 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 the sequel to the girl with the dragon tattoo movie where they recast the lead you know that whole movie was a mess. Um, you know, it like the girl with seven, the dragon tattoo. 
is a better comp to what this is, which is turning a fairly recent hit book into a movie. But again, that movie had a star in it, you know, or at least a recognizable actor. It had Daniel Craig. It had David Fincher, a star director. I mean, where the Crawdads thing needed to find a spot to put somebody famous in here. I I do think the comp works here Mm -hmm. in the sense of it is a crime film because it is about murder starring a non-star because the girl with the sp- uh, the girl in the spider what is the fucking name of this movie the girl, the girl in the spider's web right starred Claire Foy who never broke did not break and and the, the, I mean Daisy uh what's uh, Edgar what's Jones her name? yeah she is on the cusp of possibly breaking, but again, she's a TV star. She's a Hulu TV movie star. So right. it's very hard for any star of any gender to break through. So this is not by any means defaming women in general. It's just hard for stars to break in any right. significant way. Right. And that feels compish to me in that. Is right. that a TV star trying to make it into movie stardom? And so... I mean, people are saying, I mean, I mean, 16, uh, Box Office Pro is saying this is going to open to 16.2. Yeah. And I can't put my head, I can't get my head to that. I I just can't. I mean, I could kind of see it because, again, a lot of people read this book or at least bought this book. So let's say uh, 10 million people bought this book. So what? 2 million people read it to completion, which again, oh, n- not saying anything about the quality nice. of this book because no, I've never read, read I it. Mean, people don't finish books that they read, you know, especially yeah. a book like this that is probably was heavily an airport mm-hmm. uh, sale. You know, people are buying it at the airport because it's it's up there and it's, you know, it's above the final issue of Entertainment Weekly and there's where the crawdad sing. And you buy it, you read two pages of it, maybe 10 pages of it on the plane, and then you're watching a movie. Yeah. I mean, and there's a large contingent of people like myself mm-hmm. who when they are about to go on a plane flight, they buy a book right. as a talisman because, I mean... I don't buy usually full-priced books a lot. I don't buy hardcovers, but I'll do it at the airport because it feels like, well, I might as well because if I don't buy this book, there's a possibility that I'll die. Right, right, right. You know? Right, right. So I, most I get that. Feel, feel the same way as I do. It's an OCD per- purchase, and that's why those airport books fly off the shelves because of people like me. So you've got 10 million people bought the book, maybe 2 million people read the book, but that means there's 8 million people who are looking at this uh, movie coming out this weekend as an opportunity to read the book that they bought without having to read the book. You know, so Mm -hmm. you've got to take that into account. People who, you know, are haunted by that purchase of this $25 hardcover, you know, two years ago. And they know they're never going to get out around to reading because they've, they've decided I'm never going to read a book again. They know that deep down, but if they go see this movie this weekend, 
they could almost retroactively justify the purchase of the book. So I think there's, there's some of that in play, you know, people's book buying guilt coming into play to, to go see this movie. And that that there could be whole groups of people in book clubs that can now choose this book as their book club book and just go see the movie. Yes. And, and if you have chosen the book club you're in, well, you're all going to have just seen the movie. So there's not going to be anybody who's going to say, well, that's not, that didn't happen in the book. That person's not going to be involved. You're right. all, and even if they did read the book and see the movie, they're going to keep their mouth shut because they don't want to be the squeaky wheel. They just want to hang out with their friends. Right, 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 right. They just want to drink wine and eat cheese. Exactly. And, and get the, the hot goss about the neighborhood. So yeah. uh, men yeah. and women, men and women, same men and thing. women, men and women. I, I, who doesn't are... like for men who doesn't cut their grass, you right. know, who's, who's, who's got a weight, uh, who's got uh lifting, uh, weightlifting equipment in their garage that they don't use. Right. right you know, right. that kind of goss, the, that hot goss. Right. Right. Whose golf clubs are getting rusty. You know, you, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, talk yeah. about it. Phil around the corner, his golf clubs are getting rusty. That's the kind of thing you talk about at book club man or woman mm-hmm. and yes seeing this movie gives you an excuse to do a where the crawdads are book club next week um yeah i mean something else about this movie is it is a period piece i'm looking at the synopsis it takes place in the 50s and 60s it also takes place in north carolina so it is sort of a southern crime film Okay, um, that mm, do we? You know what I'm gonna go to here now. What's that? Guess it's an old movie. An old movie, old as Based in on a like big book. Old as in early 2000s, or old as in like the 40s. Uh, no, no, F- fucking those aren't movies. There was no box office, but I mean, we right, don't, right. we can't track box office back then. It's from 1997. The client? No. Okay. It's southern. It's a time to kill. No, no, no. It's it's. uh, Let me see if I can give a disgraced actor is in it. Oh God, a disgraced actor. I mean, at this point, that is a little tough of a clue. What's what is it? What's the movie? It is Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh, that's a great comp. That is a great comp because I do think Midnight in the Garden of Evil did come out pretty timely. It, yes. I, I don't think that book was was that much before the movie. That is a great comp. So do you have the numbers in front of you? What I mean, I know that was not a success. I remember that was a hugely hyped movie. Maybe everyone thought this was going to be, you know, 14 Oscar nominations situation. Mm-hmm. Well, now the problem with this is that it opened in 824 theaters. So what's the first wide out. release? So it only maxed out at 1300. Oh, so wow. So opened to 5.2. I mean, release, releases were different back then, obviously. Right, right. So it ended up at 25 mil. Wow. Yeah, that that is a that was a huge disaster. 
but um, it but was even directed by, by Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, of course. Yeah, so of course. that I mean, southern type of crime movies. But I mean, you also mentioned it's uh, Time to Kill. I think these comps are are kind of rough because of how long ago they came out. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it is a little bit of an iffy proposition here because this is a movie that doesn't have any movie stars. Um, it is a movie that, you know, there's no special effects, no superheroes, but it is a movie that is IP, you know, again, it's a movie where 10 million people plus have bought the book in the last four years. Yeah. So those are all potential customers who then could potentially drag someone else to see it with them. It's all it's all weather number one. I mean, you need two miracles, right? Mm-hmm. Miracle number one: mm-hmm. the women and older women come out for this movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's miracle number one. Mm-hmm. Miracle number two: they drag a friend, significant other, guardian, right. Uh, 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 award nurse. Yep. Yep. Right. To this film. Or they're a hospice nurse and they drag an, an elderly patient in a wheelchair. Yeah. We don't really, I mean, I, I would say, right. I, I don't think we want to like promote that kind of behavior because no hospice worker should be dragging anybody. Without no, their consent, without no. their consent, you don't yep. drag. You don't drag a wheelchair. You you push a wheelchair. Well, I guess if you're hurrying up, you could pull it. I mean, that would be. It's a definitely a much more difficult way of moving well, a if wheelchair. You pull it, then you're walking backwards, and that that's that's just dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, if you got a flat, I mean, you guess you got to drag it. Yeah, I mean, just get these people to the theater. I, but those I, are, I mean, that I don't see this happening. This $16 million, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I hope, listen, if this happens, it's great. That means the box office is healthy. But also, if it fails, that doesn't mean that the box office is unhealthy. If you No, fail. no, no. I mean, this is a movie, no movie stars. It shouldn't be a big hit, but... I mean, listen, the girl on the train just six years ago opened to $25 million, you know, but so there, there is, and that had a star, that movie. it had Emily Blunt. Yeah. I mean, the thing is this movie needed to find somewhere to stick a star that that's, that's going into the weekend and we'll see if that's the problem when we get the results on Monday, but that's the difference between this and even the girl on the train. Okay, so we've got so much to cover here. So we need to let's move on. Rodad Singh, the range that Box Office Pro is giving us is 13 to 18. They are saying Mm. 16.2. I am saying $10 million. And it'll be lucky to have that. It'll be lucky to have it. I'm going seventeen and a half million. I'm going seventeen and a half million. What? I think this is going to be a hit. I think it's going to be a hit. You're sick. You're a sick. I think. I think. I. I think these these young women are going to be dragging their friends, dragging their significant others. 
I think uh, nurses are going to be dragging their patients. To dragon. Okay, they should be pushing drag- the patients. What if the, if, the patients, patients. if the patients at a stretcher, you could drag a stretcher behind you. No, they have wheels. You don't drag anything that has wheels. You could drag it if it has wheels. You put a rope at the end of it, and you pull it, and you're dragging the stretcher. You're pulling it. You're not dragging it. Dragging is what you do when something doesn't have wheels. I think you, you could have a stretcher, and you could drag it across concrete. I think you uh, could do so, that. All right. Uh, you know what? Again, email but, us. But, but anyway. Can you dra- is it dragging when you have wheels? Email us at... The, the B.O. Boys, Boys podcast, podcast at, gmail.com. at gmail.com and prove Pat wrong again for a second. No, prove, same week. Prove it's me happening right. happening in the same week. Prove me right by uh, emailing us a, a video of you dragging a thing that has wheels. Prove uh, me right. You would right. be pulling it. Prove because me right. Because you would be pulling it. Okay. No, if, we if, don't have time for this. All right, what we got to talk about. I'm saying you're 17 sick. and a half million. You're I, 17 and a half. You're sick. I think the box office is even healthier than it should be at this point. It's so you know healthy. What? Austin, it's sick. Austin, it's so healthy. It's sick. I love that. Austin, want to be oh boy. Austin mm-hmm. went high. When I go low, he goes high mm-hmm. on this. And I think, what did he say here for... He's got $16 million for Crawdads. You know, listen, he's a youngster. He might be in the ear of a lot of... I mean, he might have a lot of uh, ladies in his ear telling him they want to see this movie. So, listen, you may be right. I may be crazy. Right. Yeah, well, it, it, it's just a maniac that you're looking for. Yeah. So, so we gotta we, talk about Pause of Fury. We gotta, we gotta get into Pause of Fury. It's Paramount's theatrical release, animated film with just a wild cast. It is, it is. I gotta pull this cast up in front of me, but, but it's Clayton, a cast of formerly popular people mixed with never popular, and and Sam Jackson. Sam True. Jackson is in this. He's in. There are trailers where Sam Jackson starts the trailer, just uh, him filmed, you know, live action, not cartoon, telling you you're about to see the trailer for Pause of Fury. So he's he's in on this, or at least he's all in on this when they had him film that segment, probably like three years ago. Mm-hmm. But here's the cast of of Pause of Fury: The Legend of Hank. Stars Michael Sarah, Ricky Gervais, Mel Brooks, George Sakai, Gabriel Iglesias, Jaiman Hunsu, Michelle Yeoh, and Samuel L. Jackson. So it's a lot of famous people. I don't know. And listen, with animation, voices really don't draw people in themselves. But there's some people in that cast who I would say are anti-draws. You know, like Ricky Gervais, I feel like mm-hmm. is just such an off-putting just presence to just, you know, to everyone on all sides. Not even a political thing. Like I, mean, I Ricky think he's Gervais, the main one that's a detraction. I, I, the yeah. rest of them, it's either yeah. a shrug yeah. or a 
It's this movie was supposed to be released in 2017. Now it wasn't That's finished amazing. in 2017. It was announced that it was going to come out in 2017. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was even past Michael Sarah's sell by date as a star. Mm-hmm. And I like Michael Sarah. That is, I by no means besmirching him as a as an actor, as somebody who was a draw in films. Yeah. But even Michael Sarah would, uh, I think. Agree that his box office power has waned. Yes, yes. I, I feel like he's an waned. honest man. Yeah, yeah. And I, and he also probably is not interested in that at the moment because mm-hmm. all the stuff he's done since has been small, small projects, uh, indie movies. He did a a show with with um, Amy Schumer on Hulu. We keep coming back to Hulu, right? I mean, that's just showing you the 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 state, the quality of these movies is that we keep talking about Hulu, right? And they're they're not a sponsor, all right. No. We're not getting paid to fall asleep, as we say the words Hulu, all right. No. We're doing it for free. So this though is a movie that again Austin pointed out, and he was right about this with Elvis mm-hmm. that Top Gun Maverick has drawn uh brought its milkshake has brought all the boys to the yard in Mm -hmm. other words if you have a trailer before maverick you're getting the eyeballs of people who rarely go see movies who are looking for other ways to enjoy the theater going experience after having seen a modern masterpiece that is top gun maverick and pause of fury is a Paramount move pictures film, mm-hmm. and it's pl- and the trailer has played in front of a ton of movies that I've seen in the last year, and especially all three times I saw Maverick. Okay, this played. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it's 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 got over that first hurdle, which is people know it's coming out. Mm-hmm. Now the issue with this trailer is that. It stinks, and this movie looks like garbage. It does. I'm not a critic, huh? No, this is just me as a film goer trying to enjoy the trailers. Right. Every time Pause of Fury comes up, I think to myself, I should have just shown up right on time for the movie. Right. 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 Yeah, Which is so, 20 minutes after the start time that's posted. We all know this. So the film was originally uh, known as Blazing Samurai because apparently it is a Blazing Saddles remake with a samurai instead of an old West sheriff. So I mean, a there movie you, you go. cannot make anymore. You can't. You cannot make Blazing Saddles. You couldn't uh, make bla- it now. You, c- well, you, you couldn't, couldn't make it now. You could not make Blazing Samurai because it was retitled. Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank. So definitive proof you cannot make Blazing Saddles anymore. Um, yeah. So so Mel Brooks is in the movie. So there you go. So he's given this his blessing. Um, the the production history of this movie is is very all over the place. It was it was conceived in the Sony uh, Pictures Animation world. It seems like it's bounced around several. Uh, you know, independent production companies, Open Road had it. And in the end, Paramount bought it in 2019 for $10 million. So Paramount is not in this too deep, it seems. Mm-hmm. 
They paid twenty. They paid ten million dollars for it. The whole movie apparently cost forty-five million, and uh, apparently a lot of that came from Canadian tax credit. So there's a lot of funny money in the Legend of Hank. I'm sure Samuel Jackson's check cleared, but mm-hmm. beyond that, I think there's a lot of people who've got, you know, sort of points and merchandise paid them. Um, oh, so- I have a question. Yes. So. You went to a film with your niece. Yes. Last weekend. And yes. everybody, if you haven't heard this past Monday's episode mm-hmm. with this this bombshell of an interview with yeah. with Celia. Yeah. You have to listen. Yeah. But must listen. Did you mm-hmm. and her mm-hmm. see the trailer for this film before Minions. They did not show the Pause of Fury Legend of Hank trailer. I mean, the w- the theater we saw the, the Minions at was a pretty mm-hmm. small local theater. And so they are okay. only showing trailers for movies that will be at that theater. Um, so they did not show this trailer. They did show a trailer for DC League of Super Pets. And... Celia did say she would see that. Okay, that's big. So yeah, that's going to be big for when we cross that bridge. But right now, she has no comment no, on Hank. No which comment is, on Hank is is bad for us. So I, I I do. I mean, I wonder what the the uh, reach of the promotion for Hank has been. Well, it's a Nickelodeon kids. co-production. Right. The fact that so it's Paramount makes yeah, it does make you think that it's all over Nickelodeon. Um I mean, obviously none of those cast members matter to kids, but they really rarely do. Listen, it has animals doing karate. I mean the one thing is we saw a very successful animated film just a few months ago that did not look very good. That was not based on any kind of major IP whose poster did not look much different than this. I mean, I am not saying, I am not saying, I'm not saying pause of fury is going to do bad guys numbers. It's not, but the bad guys did not have anything major going for it beforehand. The bad guys was not, some kind of built-in audience. You know, it was similar. It was cute animals on a poster. There was an animal who looked really bloated. You know, it's... I disagree. Bad Guys poster had style and panache. It seemed current. This seems whack. This seems Mm -hmm. old. This Mm -hmm. smells stale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said it before we got on air. They're going for a Kung Fu Panda vibe here. Which opened to $60 million with Jack Black as right. your star. This movie has Michael Sarah. Right, right. And Ricky Gervais for the kids. And Ricky Gervais. Yeah, I mean, uh, this feels like a stinker. Here's a test of how much of a stinker this is. You brought up a couple of comps before we got on air, both from 2006. You brought up two animated films 
that looked much like Positive Fury, Legend of Hank, both looked like trash in the trailers. Looked like mm-hmm. that really, you know, not quite food fight level, not quite like, you know, uh, uh, it's scary how bad this animation looks. Not that mm-hmm. level, but, you know, obviously several grades below your Disney, your DreamWorks, your, you know, uh, uh, Ice Age type big screen animation movies. So the two comps that you brought up were 2006's Dougal and mm-hmm. 2006's Hoodwinked. Hoodwinked, movie. yes. So both of those movies, if anyone wants to go back and, and look at the trailer or the key art for those movies, they looked very bad. Mm-hmm. But one of them was a complete disaster at the box office. But one of them was kind of a hit. Open to $12.4 million. So Dougal, which that's the one with Jon Stewart, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That movie opened up. So that movie had... uh, Wait, am I looking at the wrong movie? Dougal, the movie... John Stewart. D O O G A L. Let's see. There can't uh, be another Dougal. There was a 2005 movie that was subtitled Dougal. Anyway, so the 2006 Dougal movie, animated film, voices of John Krasinski, Jimmy Fallon, Whoopi Goldberg, John Stewart, Ian McKellen, Kevin Smith. Yeah. At a at a time when I guess. He was trying to be an actor, wasn't he? In Catch and Release, and and acted in a few movies that you Catch know. Catch and a Release, non- I think, was a little bit earlier. But but he was not playing Silent Bob in these films. He was actually trying to play characters. No, but, he did not say Snoochie Boochies, even though he doesn't say Snoochie Boochies in the movies anyway, because he is silent. Right, right. Um, he doesn't witness someone saying Snoochie Boochies in any of those other films. He doesn't make a big bug-eyed, shocked face. When another character says Snoochie Boochies in Doodle. So I, I can't wait for Clerks Three. Just talking about it, this is making me excited. Yeah. We we've gotta we've gotta do an emergency episode as soon as we leave that theater. But ticket's still available. We're monitoring it. We're we're gonna pull the trigger as soon as it feels like a sellout. Right. Um, um we're not close so, to that yet. So Dougal opened February 24, 2006 to three point six million dollars. And it legged out to $7.5 million. But on the other hand, that same year, in 2006, in January 2006, so just like a month before, Hoodwinked, which was a Little Red Riding Hood sort of knockoff, that, that movie opened up to $12.4 million legged out to $51 million domestic and over $100 million worldwide. So, which is all to say, those are, again, are two animated movies that, much like Pause of Fury, looked like total trash, but one of them was kind of a hit. So I send this out on the Dougal scale, Dougal versus Hoodwinked. Where will Pause of Fury fall on the, the Dougal versus Hoodwinked opening weekend scale? Just for a little bit more context. Okay. Here is the voice talent for Hoodwinked. Okay. Anne Hathaway, Glenn Close, 
Jim Belushi, Patrick Warburton, Anthony Anderson, David Ogden Steers, Chaz Palminteri, Andy Dick, and Exhibit. Now, yeah, now he, here's the thing. Yeah. Anne Hathaway right. is a big name. Yes. Glenn Close is a big name. Dougal does not have similar um, high-profile names, not 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 he, as actorly. It, it here's the thing. Here, Dougal's uh, cast is closer to the Pause of Fury cast than it is to Hoodwink's uh, cast. I, therefore, therefore, yeah, I believe that it is going to be closer to Dougal. I think it goes under the tracking. I think that Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, makes $9 million this weekend. Oh, okay. that That's higher than I thought you were going to say. Because, I mean, you're closer to Hoodwink's opening. Hoodwink's open at $12.4 You're saying this is going to open at $9 million. Pause of Fury is open at nine. So you're saying Pause of Fury is more of a hoodwinked than it is a Dougal. Because Dougal. Uh, it's under hoodwinked. Yes. I'm but it's going closer under to hoodwinked. hoodwinked. It's closer to hoodwinked than it is to Dougal. Dougal made 3.6. I think with the trailer where it is, right. the fact that, yes, the minions are controlling the box office for kids, there's going to be enough people to go see this movie because obviously you know kung fu kung fu panda although lego ninjaka or whatever that was called also bombed so that makes me uh worried about martial arts Mm -hmm. when it comes to kids so you know what i'm gonna say instead i'm gonna say lucky number slevin okay unlucky number slevin for this movie i think uh pause of fury legend of hank Make seven point five million dollars. So you're you're basically saying Pause of Fury is going to split the difference between Dougal and Hoodwinked. Yeah, like basically right in the middle there. Um, one thing I will uh, say when it comes to kids and animated films with karate kung fu in it. Yes, I just saw the Minions this past weekend with my niece. And there is an extended sequence where the minions learn Kung Fu, where they get trained in Kung Fu across probably like a 15 or 20 minute period in the movie. The minions are are training across several days to learn Kung Fu. That sequence drew some of the biggest laughs in the audience from the kids. But see, niece, these kids have already seen it then. They've already seen I, a superior version of this but film. But is their appetite been wet? You know, wetted for more cartoon kung fu antics. They loved it. They loved when these men and listen, I am not comparing uh Hank and the the Paws of Fury to the Minions. You know, the Minions are one of the great comedic teams of our generation. But Kids were loving it when the minions were learning Kung Fu and they might be coming out of minions and the minions Kung Fu scene is one of their best scenes. And they see this poster for a pause of fury and it's all these animals posing, doing Kung Fu. It, it, it could be, you know, it, it could be a little connection. The kid, the kids brains synapses might start firing. Here's what I'll say though. 
I've seen this trailer many times in the theater. Right. right. I've been to theaters with children present. I believe this played before Sonic 2. Okay. I mean, this trailer's been playing forever. That makes sense, yeah. This trailer got no love right, from these right, kids. Right. Now, who knows if they were just psyched for Sonic, they right. couldn't think, they were vibrating in their chairs waiting for Sonic, so they weren't paying attention. But I've seen it with kids in other theaters and it does not get a response. Even mm. the large farting set piece that is supposed to be catnip for kids, you know, cheese for the rats. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is stinky, stale cheese. Mm-hmm. And I do think it is going to be a failure. Yeah. But the rats do need their cheese. They got it with the minions. They got it with the minions. I'm going to go with your original prediction, 9 million. I okay. think I think it's closer to a hoodwink than it is to a Dougal. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this significantly pulls ahead of, of Dougal. Okay, so we can't talk about Miss Harris Goes to Paris because it's not going to make any sort of significant dent in the box office. Possibly could be the 10th biggest movie of this weekend, but we're talking it's going to do under a million dollars. So what we do need to do, Pat, before mm-hmm. we do our top fives, because we do have to do our top fives as we always do, yeah. We have to write a wrong. Yes. Here. We have to write a wrong. And most of the time we we don't admit wrongdoing. We admit that reality didn't match up with our perception. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but we do have to respond to wanna be a boy. Wanna be a girl or wanna be a person. Mm-hmm. Jeeves. We will call them Jeeves. 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 We'll call them Jeeves, yes. Yes. They are uh, they are a new fan. Mm-hmm. They have been listening religiously for the last six months. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for your service, Jeeves. What they're doing now is what all new fans should do, mm-hmm. which is go back in time and listen to older episodes because yes. we are not just a podcast. We are a historical document. This is the truth. Yes. And Jeeves listened to our podcast that was called Weekend of November 6 to 8 when we used to do that. Mm-hmm. Let him go. Let him go. Famously, the Kevin Costner, Diane Lane film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that podcast... We spent a lot of time on Kevin Costner's stardom, his star power, his resurgence because of Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. We did, however, give no love to Diane Lane, Mm -hmm. who Jeeves thinks had gave a brilliant performance, was a driver for people to see this film because of the accolades she was receiving. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about Kevin Costner's BO, but we did not talk about Diane Lane's BO. And so yeah. because Jeeves called us out and was correct in calling us out, mm-hmm. 
we now are going to take a look at the wonderful Diane Lane's box office history. Yeah, I mean, again, Jeeves, I'm not going to apologize because there's no reason to apologize because we're we're rectifying it. But I, again, I also thank you for calling us out because uh, we we never wanted to be a podcast that would anyway besmirch Diane Lane, the box office of Diane Lane. I think when Let Him Go came out, we just got caught up in Yellowstone fever. You mm-hmm. know, Yellowstone was a hot property. New season was airing. Other seasons were streaming. And we just got caught up in that. So it was all about Kevin Costner. But we never meant to diminish Diane Lane. And he is right. She was, when it came to Let Him Go, she was more the star of that film than Kevin Costner was. So, And I would say underrated film. We both enjoyed it greatly. Yes, yes. And, and in COVID box office times, it did pretty well. It opened to $4 million, legged out to $9.3 million. You know, at the time, we were also monitoring VOD placements, and it was doing really mm-hmm. well there. So this was a successful COVID-era film. Now, I've got to say, so Diane Lane, people who are unfamiliar with with her and her work, she's been doing stuff since mm-hmm. the late 70s when she was very young. Yes. I would say, though, what is pertinent to us mm-hmm. is her 2000s. Yes. Yes. So do you have her? I have her the numbers up. I, I have do as her. Well. I have her the numbers up, and it it is so true. If you look at her 80s and 90s, and she was always someone I was aware of, but I wouldn't even know why I would have been as a kid and teenager in the 90s. I I guess her her turn as the co-lead in Judge Dredd is probably the most notable big wide release thing, mainstream thing of hers. You know, 1995 Judge Dredd. That movie ended up making uh, uh, $78 million domestic. Yes. What When I came to know her was Jack. The, yes. Yeah, the you're right. Williams That's starer, the big one. Francis Ford Coppola, 1996, made yeah. $58.6 million. Obviously, the story of a, of a boy who grows old very quickly and becomes a hairy, manic... Uh, improving older gentleman. Yes, yes. And so that movie is when I became aware of her. But I would say her her real box office momentum began with June thirtieth, two thousand, mm-hmm. when she was in The Perfect Storm, mm-hmm. a film that made a hundred and eighty two point six million dollars domestic. Wow! Wow! Smash hit. Wow. Made Clooney a movie star more than anything else. That's the one that made him a movie star. You got Wahlberg. You got Clooney. Yep. So that was big for her. Then she does Hardball 2001, September 14th. That is her and Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. That movie makes $40.2 million. So that's Keanu trying to find his way after Matrix. She's got a love interest role. Here's the biggie. Yeah, this is it. This is what kicks off 
her renaissance Mm -hmm. and where I think a lot of people came to know her. Mm -hmm. May 8th, 2002, Unfaithful. Mm -hmm. Now, $52 million domestic. That doesn't sound like a lot, but this film had people talking. Yes, yes. And and it's a it's a movie where that $52 million is pretty big because it is a pretty uh uh small scale, you know, it's not an indie movie, but it is a a dramatic uh small drama with only three or four main characters. So for that movie to make 52 domestic is pretty successful. Well, say what it is, Pat, it was an erotic thriller. It's an erotic thriller. It's an erotic uh- thriller. She, I don't think you know, could go anywhere that summer without somebody saying, how old are you? Yes. Yes. That was the big line from this movie. I mean, there's there's iconic uh, scenes from this film. I mean, listen, I, I say unfaithful. I say the train. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. They yes. know that train scene. Um it it didn't break, obviously, to the level of like, this wasn't basic instinct. You know, mm-hmm. turning Sharon Stone into a megastar, but Unfaithful definitely jumped Diane Lane up another level. You know, up to that point, you look at her; she would always, she'd always been someone that we all knew should have been a big star. You know, mm-hmm. she looked like a big star. She was a really good actress. She had a lot of charisma. But the movies where it seemed like this could make her a big star, you know, like the Cotton Club or like we said, Judge Dredd, you know, these Indian Summer, these movies didn't do it. it Unfaithful is really the one where it all came together and she fully clicked as a movie star. And this is when she starts ripping off these the this these 40 to 50 million dollar mm-hmm hits earners good earners right yep. 2003 september 26 under the tuscan sun mm-hmm. that's a book adaptation correct yes yes 2005 july 29th 2005 must love dogs with john cusack 43.8 million dollars right yep then we have uh hollywood land which i think was more of an oscar play that was not 2006 not not great that was ben affleck as uh superman correct it was it was a, a a movie that almost got ben affleck a oscar nom 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 there was a lot of talk around affleck not really around diane lane but that no it was a movie that people were talking about to some level but yeah 14 million dollars that's on a hit i mean it really is this 2002 to 2005 run with Unfaithful, Under the Tuscan Sun, Must Love Dogs. That is Diane Lane's prime. But she has 2008, Nights in Rodanthe, mm-hmm. $4.8 million, $41.8 million, and then all the way to 2010, Secretariat, 59.6. Now, Secretariat was supposed to be a bigger movie yeah. uh, than 59.6. But still, I do think you're right that her prime was... Uh, in those, what, I guess, four or five years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she had, I mean, Unfaithful, 2002 to 2005 is her prime prime. And yeah, you could go to 2008, Nights in Rodan, 41 million. 
that that's sort of the end of her being the draw for these movies though mm-hmm. you know that was the period and it it came a little later for her you know basically late 30s early 40s yeah that that's yeah. when she she never became the big star in her 20s and 30s um and then by the time you get past Knights and Rodanth and then Secretariat she really starts getting shunted just to there there's really nothing where then she's the above the title draw anymore no she's she becomes Martha, Kent, Martha Kent in Oof. in those DC movies yeah, the, the, the Snyder Superman Snyder movies. Snyder movies. I mean, cash in those checks, which is great. Right, right. Looks like 2017 Paris Can Wait feels to me like that was maybe trying to do mm-hmm. a, a, another sort of Tuscan Sun, possibly. I've never heard of that movie. Um, I would bet, I'm going to look it up now, I would bet that actually is a movie where she is Fully the lead, yeah. It she looks... is Alec Baldwin, Diane Lane, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a gentleman who I think is probably French. Yeah, it. Wow, I'm looking at the poster for that. It it very much looks like they're trying to fool you into thinking it's an Under the Tuscan Sun sequel. It mm-hmm. it, it has that, you know. And I mean, that's the thing is, it's it's you know there there's just limited roles out there limited you know mainstream starring roles for an actress like diane lane and they didn't quite capitalize you know coming out of that early 2000s run you would hope that she could have gotten some bigger chances but it that's the thing is in her run you really don't see a lot of movies where she's the lead and it fully flops Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's because she ends up just moving into these supporting roles. So I, I would say she just didn't get enough chances because when you gave her the chance, she obviously, you know, she was successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so where? Okay. Yeah. I do think she's not done. No. I think uh, Let Him Go showed her chops. I mm-hmm. do think she's somebody who get, could get a late career Oscar, nom, nom, nom. Mm-hmm. Whether mm-hmm. she could hit box office gold again, who knows, though, because, you know, you're seeing Maverick. You're seeing the the sort of older stars getting their vehicles. She could definitely be in a legacy some sort of legacy sequel yes yes i mean it's funny you bring up maverick because the j 